Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm really glad you're here this morning. Just want to remind you as we uh, worship together and move about the building, uh, if we ask you to keep your mask on while you're standing and singing and when you're moving in common areas, but when you're seated and listening or being fed the word, you're free to take your mask off then. Just have one announcement to give to you today. That is next Sunday at 945 in the Great Hall. We're planning on having a, a 30-year anniversary for Murray, for Anita and for Doyle. I think Doyle's really up to 36 or 37, but anyway, we'll honor him as going over 30. Anyway, we invite you to bring a car to them. Send them a card if you're not going to be here and uh, just be able to greet them and thank them for their service to our church and to this congregation. If you join with me this morning, let's pray together. Father, we look to you this day. God, you inhabit eternity. You're high and lifted up. Your name is holy. And yet you've condescended to dwell with those who are broken in spirit, God. We thank you for that. We come to adore you. You've created all things. All things exist. By your word, you uphold all things in the power of your word. There is no name exalted as high as yours, O Father. And we bless you that we can come. We can come freely. We can come boldly, God. We come to adore you in Christ Jesus. We welcome you to come, God, to take a seat upon our praises. We lift them up to you that you might be honored, that we might be filled even more fully, God, to give to you your due, to glorify your name as you come among us. We say these things. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. As I always do, I encourage you. There's a lot of words in these songs, but they're so rich. So really try to think about what you're singing as you sing it, and I'll do the same. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey Trust and obey For there's no other way To be happy in Jesus But to trust and obey Not a shadow can rise Not a cloud in the skies But His smile quickly drives it away not a doubt or a fear, not a sigh or a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear. Not a sorrow we share, but our toil He doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy. But to trust and obey 
lights of his love until all on the altar we lay for the favor he shows for the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no We'll sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey. to trust and obey. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. and secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim's way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. And secure from all along, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness! What a peace of mind! Leaning on the everlasting arms. Secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting. Amen. Have a seat, please. It's kind of like running a marathon singing with a mask on, isn't it? Well, I just want to read to you as we get ready to just be honest, open, confess our sins before God this morning. This is out of Daniel chapter 9. Interesting thing, Daniel is uh, such a godly, devoted man, and yet he includes himself in this prayer. 
Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God, made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame as it is this day, to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel. Very interesting that Daniel includes himself. He knows he's guilty before God in things done and things left undone, and yet he knows God's merciful and righteous, and so he's bold to come before God. So we do that this morning. If you look there in your bulletin, you'll see a corporate prayer of confession as we come before God with our brokenness, knowing his reception of us in Christ Jesus. Gracious and loving God, you've been so faithful to us, but we confess that we have not always been faithful to you. In your mercy, please forgive us for our many sins. Forgive us for the times that we fail to do what you've called us to do. Forgive us for not always loving you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Forgive us for the times that we fail to love our neighbor as ourselves. In your mercy, please cleanse us from all unrighteousness and hear us now as we continue to confess our sins to you in silence. Father, we thank you that in Christ Jesus you receive us as we come in brokenness and humility, mourning, God, that we might be blessed and walk closely with you. Thank you for your mercy in Jesus' name. Listen to this. You know, we have peace with God because we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace gives us an assurance that all of our sin, all of our transgression, all of our iniquities have been canceled, left behind us. God's removed them. Receive the peace of Jesus this morning. You know, Jesus said uh, men's hearts would fail them for fear uh, in the latter days. And I believe we're seeing some of that. And uh, isn't it good that we can trust him in the middle of that? He said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So let's sing this song with that in mind. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, and to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Oh, 
how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing blood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that Thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him. Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him. glad when they said, let's come to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glad to have you this morning. I wanted to uh, open up with prayer, a prayer for elimination, Lord. We thank you, God, that uh, as we come together, Lord, there are many people that uh, would love to join us in this place that aren't able to. And we thank you, Father, that as we come before you, some can join us in remote ways. And we thank you, Father, that those that aren't here, we can share the love that we have for them when we're able to connect with them through other means. And we, we do pray, Father, that you'd place those that are needing a touch from you, Lord, on our heart. Lord, allow the word to speak to our hearts this morning. Let us uh, rejoice and uh, have faith and know, God, that you're present and that you care for us and that you are uh, so acquainted with every aspect of our life, Lord, and that you're... Uh, loving to interact with us uh, through uh, fellowship and through your word. And Lord, as we read uh, Hebrews 11, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, Ab uh, Hebrews 11, uh, verse 8, 9, and 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed 
when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he is looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Thank you, Kent. Uh, This morning we actually begin a new sermon series on uh, faith of our father, Father Abraham. Did you know that not only do we as Christians, but also Jews and even Muslims trace our faith back to Father Abraham? Because we're all, we all marvel at the incredible faith of Father Abraham. Let's look again at Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And isn't that amazing? Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. In fact, some details there, the journey that Abraham ended up taking from the city of Haran eventually to the land of Canaan was over 500 miles. It would have taken over a month by foot, by caravan, to make such an incredible journey. And Abraham didn't even know where it was he was going. What was it that gave Abraham that faith to keep on keeping on, not knowing where he was going? You know, last weekend, uh, my wife and I got to go to uh, Colorado Springs, and uh, we had dinner with uh, Tim McConnell and Abigail McConnell. He's the senior pastor at the First Presbyterian Church of Colorado Springs. Uh, That's actually kind of the flagship church of our denomination. They're the ones who really helped start ECO. I'm pretty sure that's why our uh, denomination has a leaf with a a cross in the middle of it, because they love uh, trees there in Colorado. I do too, but uh, not sure that would have been the symbol I would have chosen on my own. But uh, anyway, had a great dinner with Tim and his wife, Abigail. We talked about our denomination. We talked about uh, everything that's going on in the life of their church and their ministry. And towards the end of the meal, they asked us, what do we plan to do while we were in Colorado Springs? And well, Sarah and I threw out a few ideas. And they said, well, you know, this time of year, you should go on the the Crag Trail. And I, I hadn't heard of this trail, but I do have an app on my phone that tells me about all the great trails that you can hike in Colorado. And according to the app, the Crags Trail is only 4.8 miles and about 820 feet of uh, increase in elevation. And so I looked at that and I thought, oh, well, that's no big deal. Yeah, we'll do that on Saturday. And so about 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon, we showed up to the, the, to the head of the Crag Trail. And uh, I had seen that it was only 4.8 miles and, and 812 feet of elevation. I intellectually knew what that meant, but physically I wasn't aware of how steep that was going to be. And as we were making the hike, man, I was running out of wind. My uh, uh, Amarillo uh, lungs weren't ready for the high altitude that I was hiking. And we were breathing really heavy and getting pretty tired. And I noticed that, you know, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but it kept getting later and later. And I could tell that pretty soon the sun was going to set behind a mountain that was nearby. And so it would get dark, and I only had a very small flashlight in my backpack. And so I was thinking, honey, maybe we should turn around. So no, no, they told us that the view's beautiful, my wife said, and we, we should keep on keeping on. I said, I don't know, sweetie, it's getting kind of long and it's getting kind of dark. Well, finally, I broke through my male pride and I asked another hiker who was coming down the trail, I asked her, I said, hey, is the view worth it? She said, oh, it's incredible. I said, well, how much further do I have to go? And she said, oh, you're, you're halfway there. It's not much further. You're, you're going to do fine. 
halfway. Well, um, Sarah looked at me and said, we got to do this. I said, okay. And so we, we pressed on. We kept on kept, kept keeping on. And, and we finally got to the, to the beautiful panoramic view. In fact, I think I have a couple of pictures I want to show with you. Uh, that's the top of the Crags Trail. And I think the next picture there, you can see maybe a better panoramic view. Do we have the other photo? Okay, there it is. Isn't that beautiful? Of course, I'm talking about Sarah. She's beautiful. The, the, the view is, is, is fantastic, but Sarah is amazing. So it was great to finally make it to the top. And of course, we're all smiles because we finally got there. But you can tell the sun's starting to set. So we had to hike down uh, quickly. And unfortunately, Sarah slipped and uh, hurt her hand, but she's okay. But, you know, we had to have someone on the trail to encourage us to keep on keeping on. We had to have a map to tell us exactly how far the distance was going to be. We had to have the testimony of others to tell us that, yes, you're almost there. You can certainly make it. We had to have each other to encourage us to keep on keeping on. But Abraham, he didn't have a map. He didn't have other people on the trail telling him, oh, yeah, you're halfway there. Because Abraham didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what the final destination was going to be. He just trusted God. He believed God. What was it that allowed Abraham to have such faith? that he would keep on keeping on. To see what it was that encouraged Abraham in his faith so that we might be encouraged by the same thing, so that we might have the faith we need to keep on keeping on and following God's call, I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles or your iPhones or Androids or whatever you use to Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you so much that you inspired the authors of scripture to put pen to paper so that we might have your written word today, a faithful testimony of of how you have moved in the lives of others. God, we thank you for the testimony of Abraham that inspires so many. I pray, O Lord, that as we read this story that you might give us fresh eyes to see what you want us to see ears to hear what you want us to hear, and a heart that might be opened and transformed at the reading and the preaching of your holy word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Genesis chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Listen to God's word. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah, and at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. 
Here ends the reading of God's word. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I want to look again at those first three verses. Count with me how many times the personal pronoun I is used when God is speaking to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Five times the first person pronoun I is used in these three verses, pointing out the, high, the fact that God is the one who's going to be the principal agent who's going to make things happen for Abram. God is the one who's going to bless Abraham. God is the one who's going to curse those who, who dishonor Abraham. God is the one who's going to make Abram's name great, which is in complete contrast, if you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, what we read in Genesis chapter 11. In Genesis chapter 11, we read the story of the Tower of Babel and how the people of Babel got together. And when they got their minds together, they said, hey, let's make a great name for ourselves and build a tall tower and a great city. And and it was all about themselves. Their, Their decision was ultimately selfish and disobedient because God had told them to spread out and go and multiply and fill the earth. But instead, the the people of Babel wanted to stay in a a holy huddle, you may remember from that sermon. If you didn't get to see it, you can always download it on our webpage page. The point was is that, you know, it was about them, and it was they, they were going to make a great name for themselves, but here God's telling Abram, who's married to 65-year-old Sarah, who's barren, that he's going to take these elderly people, and he's going to make them into a great nation. Humanity's vision was selfish and disobedient and small because it thought about making a great name for themselves, not spreading out, and simply making a great city. God's vision for Abraham is so, so much larger. He's going to make him into a great nation. He's going to make his name great. All Abram has to do is go. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your names great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that is exciting to hear that you're going to, we're going to be blessed, that God's going to make a great nation out of you. But I got to be honest with you, I would probably like a few more details when God says go, because God simply says go to the land I will show you. He doesn't give him the name of the place where he's supposed to go. He doesn't give him a map. He just simply says go. In fact, I remember when God called us to come here to First Presbyterian Church of Amarillo, I was an associate pastor in Dallas where my sister lives, and we had many of our best friends, my wife's maid of honor and my uh, 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 male of honor, or whatever we call that, uh, what's it called? Best man, thank you. I was like, man of honor, that sounds weird. Best man, we all lived uh, there in Dallas. So our best friends in the world that we knew at that time, they all lived in Dallas. And so, you know, we, we had to pray a lot and we fasted and prayed and had lots of conversations. And we even spent a whole weekend here looking in houses and, and talking to the search committee. And eventually we, we felt God's call. We, we heard God's call to go, but we knew exactly where it was we were going. We had been here before. I could show everyone in Dallas a map and say, see, there's Amarillo. And they go, oh yeah, I drove through Amarillo once. Everyone's driven through our town, right? But I knew exactly where it was I was going. Abram doesn't know any of that. Can you imagine the conversation he had with his father, Terah, when he says, Dad, I got to go. 
I've got to go because God has called me to go. Well, probably the first question his father asked was, which God? I mean, he's living in Haran where there are multiple gods. In fact, we know from Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, that, well, Terah, Abram's father, he worshiped these gods. We read, and Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, which is Abraham's father, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they, and they served other gods. Terah was one who had spent many years serving other gods. And so when Abram says, Dad, God's calling me to go, he would have said, well, which God? And of course, we know that, well, that Abram doesn't really know his name. God doesn't reveal his name to the people of Israel until Exodus chapter 3 when he says that he is Yahweh. He is the great I am. So Abram can't say which God it is, and he doesn't know where he's going exactly. I'm sure Terah thought that his son was being uh, impulsive, uh, being irrational, and probably selfish. After all, the expectation for everyone back then was that in ancient times that the children would stay with their parents. In fact, children were kind of the retirement plan uh, for their parents. They were supposed to stay there to help care for their elderly parents, to keep the, the farm and the plantation going, to stay together. But here, Abram's saying that this God, this unknown God, is calling him to go, to go where he's not exactly sure where. He just knows he's supposed to go. What was it that allowed Abraham to go? We read just a moment ago in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 8, that it was his great faith that ultimately led him to go. Yes, the Sunday school answer from Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 8, is that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Yes, Abraham had great faith, but this wasn't an uninformed faith. No, this faith had been forming in Abraham for quite some time because Abraham, well, he's 75 years old at this point, and Abraham has seen his father Haran worship these idols and the gods of their culture, and he has seen that these idols and these gods do not lead to fruitfulness. Because Abraham, as you know from Genesis chapter 11, well, he doesn't have a child. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 30, we read, Now Sarah, Sarai was barren. She had no child. Sarai was barren. Even though Haran, the, father had been, the, the, the uh, father-in-law, had been praying for his daughter-in-law to have a child for some time, offering, idol, offering uh, sacrifices to these different idols and to these different gods, still she remained barren. Yes, the land of Haran with their many gods and their many idols, was not leading to a legacy of fruitfulness for Abram. And at the age of 75, in fact, even before that, many of us begin to think about, what is my legacy? When I die, what will people say about me? How have I made an impact during the time I have had here on this earth? Do you know what your legacy will be? Back in ancient times, the primary legacy for most families was their children. And yet Abram has none. And think about just a moment how difficult that must be for Abram to have no children because the name Abram in Hebrew means high father. And Terah, his father, had called his son Abram at a little, when he was born, 
Abram because he had the hopes that his son would be a high father, that he would be fruitful and have many children, yet Abram remains childless. And so, in desperation, Abram is willing to go. You know, at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which uh, David Mullen and I are teaching on Wednesday nights, and you can, uh, if you're not able to attend the class, it's in 304 at 630. If you're not able to attend the class, you can always download our lessons uh, on our webpage, on the live page of our webpage. But at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I really like the way that Eugene Peterson, uh, the old Presbyterian minister and uh, Old Testament scholar and New Testament scholar, uh, translates Hebrews 5 verse, I mean Genesis, uh, Matthew, what book is that? Matthew 5 verse 3 uh, in his message. He says, you're blessed in the message. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. To be poor in spirit means ultimately we are, we're at the end of our rope. We've tried and exhausted everything that we can do on our own to make things happen. And finally, in all humility, we realize we need God's help. And that is when we're blessed. When we're poor in spirit, we're no longer relying upon our own strength, our own thinking, our own resources. No, we humbly come to God and say, not my will, but yours be done. Abraham, at the age of 75, married to Sarai, who's 65, who continues to remain barren, is at that point. He's poor in spirit. He's desperate to do whatever God might call him to do so that he might have a child. And so we read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he had departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. They set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Notice that as Abram goes, God appears to him and God shows him new things. And what does Abram do? Abram builds an altar to worship God. Yes, Abram had great faith, but what it was that helped feed that faith, to help keep him strong, to keep on keeping on, was ultimately that Abram had developed a rhythm, a regular rhythm of worship to Almighty God, as he built an altar as he went so that he might worship God. And we know from the story of Abram that ultimately it's going to be 25 years until Isaac, the son of the promise, is born and Sarah gives birth to Isaac. This 25-year period as we continue this journey through Genesis and continue to read about the, the great faith of Father Abram, we'll see that he has a rhythm of regular worship. Yes, just like a plant needs sun and water in order to grow and bear fruit, we need the regular rhythm of worship if we hope our faith to grow so that we might bear the fruits of the Spirit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as the Apostle Paul writes about in the book of Galatians. Did you know that the 
average church member in the United States today only attends worship 18 times a year. Now, when you think about the fact that there are 52 weeks in a year, 18 times is pretty pathetic. I don't know about you, and I'm so glad you're here this morning, but when I miss a week of worship, it, it bothers my soul. I feel like I'm missing out. Like, like I didn't experience God's presence like I wanted to or I need to, to be honest. It was interesting, uh, towards the end of our dinner uh, with Tim and Abigail McConnell, I told them on Thursday night, man, I cannot wait uh, to join you guys in worship. And Tim said, oh, well, have you registered? And I said, register? Yeah, you have to register for worship because of the restrictions that the state of Colorado has on uh, capacity for rooms. And because they have so many members, you actually have to register in advance. Well, I thought, okay, it's Thursday night. I'll go register for worship. When I went to register for worship, they were booked. They were already filled up. I couldn't register. It was too late for me to register to worship with them. So I was disappointed. But then I realized, wait, we'll be online. Our church is online. I can worship with us. And so my wife and I, we watched uh, online uh, the service here where Andrew Adair preached a powerful message about the Great Commission and uh, Andy Chase led music at, at 8.30. It was a great service. And I know that during this pandemic, many people, in fact, many of you may be watching at home right now, you're, you're unable to join us for worship. And, and that's okay. But you can still join us online. Yes, we need that regular rhythm of worship. If we hope to grow, if we hope to have the faith like Abraham that allows us to keep on keeping on amidst the different challenges of this life. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The Apostle Paul writes the letter to the Philippians while he himself is in prison in Rome. And the church in Philippi is being persecuted. The church in Philippi is going through a very, very difficult time. And so is the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's in prison. He's, He's known the pain of being flogged and beaten for his faith. He's been imprisoned. He's been shipwrecked. And now again, he is still in prison in Rome. And yet he writes, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. He doesn't say when things are good, you should rejoice. No, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice because the apostle Paul knows that it's in worship of Almighty God that we find the encouragement we need to see that God is still at work, that God is very much with us. God is always faithful to his people. Yes, what was it that kept Abraham and gave him the faith to keep on keeping on? We had the regular rhythm of worship. For we read how he built two altars in two different places. And we'll see, so you continue to read the story of Abraham. He was the kind of man who, who, who would build altars to worship God. He, he gave 10% to, to worship God. He was a, a man who, of great faith because he built this rhythm, this regular rhythm of worship. And of course, we as the church have been worshiping Jesus on Sundays ever since Jesus rose again on that first Easter Sunday. Yes, Sunday is our Sabbath day. It's supposed to be a day of holy rest when we gather together to worship Jesus. But we don't have to limit our worship to just Sundays. Now, we can have private worship every day, honestly. I know I, it's helped me a lot to develop the rhythm of every morning waking up and reading God's word and, and praying. And then as I get ready for the day, I, I put on some praise music and I, I worship. I have a time of praise as I worship God, thanking him for all that God has done for me. It allows me to see the world through the lens of faith, to know that God will be with me that day as God has been with me every day of my life. And of course, we worship we worship Jesus specifically 
because of all that Jesus has done for us. For Jesus, who was without sin, became sin for us, as we read in Scripture, as we read in both Deuteronomy and in Galatians. Cursed is he who is hung on a tree. Jesus, who was without sin, became a curse for us when he was hung on a tree, when he died on a cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Then on the third day, he rose again, conquering both sin and death on our behalf, so that we might have the gift and the assurance of eternal life and the gift of a new life if we simply turn to him in faith. And the way that we grow that faith is not simply by going to worship 18 times a year. Now, by having the regular rhythm of weekly worship, whether it be at home, online, or here in person uh, during this pandemic, we need to have that regular rhythm of weekly corporate worship when we gather together with other saints so that we might encourage one another along the journey of faith. And also, we need to have daily worship. Spending time to turn towards God, thanking God for all that he has done. Yes, rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice because the journey of faith, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a life. It takes a lifetime to run this race of faith. In fact, as we continue to read scripture, we will see that, well, it was over thousands of years before God finally fulfills his great covenant that he makes to Abraham, that he will bless them through all nations. Yes, in the very first chapter of the first book of the New Testament, in that very first verse, in Matthew 1, verse 1, we read this, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. All the world has been blessed through Abraham because Abraham, Abraham is the great ancestor of the great descendant Jesus who came so that he might bless and save all of us today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's because of Christ's great sacrifice that we gather on Sundays to remember that it was him who conquered sin and death on our behalf with his resurrection on that first Easter Sunday. And it is him who promises us that he will be with us to the very end of the age. And so we worship him corporately weekly, and we worship him privately daily. It's worship that's going to give us the encouragement we need to keep on keeping on. Please join me as we pray. Gracious and loving God, as we look at this familiar text of Genesis chapter 12, the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that you made with our great father Abraham, a father of great faith, we can see that we had a regular rhythm of worship So God, I pray that all of us would continue to grow in that regular rhythm, not only of weekly corporate worship, but daily private worship, where we can come to you and thank you for all that you've done for us. As the Apostle Paul encourages us, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So God, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the great gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. This week, we also want to thank you for the birth of William Cooper Gossett, uh, grandson of Jerry and Murray Gossett. We pray your blessing upon uh, William Cooper as he grows in the knowledge of you. We pray for Amy and Brant as they raise William in the knowledge of you. We also praise you, Lord, for your many blessings, the way that you continue to use our church to help impact our community, uh, specifically in San Jacinto and around the world through our various missionaries. Lord, we thank you for the time that we had with Andrew Adair last week and his ministry with Antioch Partners, helping equip uh, people from all over the country to be missionaries, to be your hands and feet around the globe, fulfilling the great commission that you've given to us. 
And Lord, this week we also thank you, Lord, for the life and the legacy of Linda Jean Berkman. God, we, we grieve her passing this past Friday. We thank you for the opportunity we will have tomorrow to uh, have a memorial service for her. We thank you, Lord, for her legacy, though, that all the children she taught to worship you through the Praise Kids Choir's ministry. I think about my own daughters, uh, uh, Elizabeth and Hannah and my son John, who got to learn from Linda Jean and what it means to worship you, to praise you through song and praising and, and singing. And God, this uh, morning, we also want to lift up Marty Smith. Lord, we pray for recovery for her, for her surgery. Pray for strength. Pray for Cal. Pray for comfort. We pray for Denise Davenport, uh, who's had rotator cuff surgery. Uh, Lord, we pray for her family needs as well. God, we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We also want to lift up the prayer requests that have come in uh, through our text messaging. Pray for Stacy Chambers, her mother, who's been admitted to the hospital earlier this morning. We pray for uh, someone who needs to put the metal, pedal to the metal and keep on trucking. We pray for Dan, the man who drives a tan van. We pray for uh, a friend from uh, Mississippi that's been lifted up. Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, Gabriel Lopez as he begins a new life in Irving as a student, studying to, uh, to learn so that he might begin a new job. Pray for their trip and pray for his transition and pray for Gabe to learn all that he needs to learn so that he might live life on his own as an adult. God, we pray for Tracy Carr during, doing treatments for her breast cancer. Uh, God, we thank you, Lord, for your healing hand. We pray for all those who have struggled with COVID-19 uh, around our city and around our country and around the world. Uh, God, I pray for wisdom for our leaders. Pray for our president. I pray for healing for him. I uh, pray also, Lord, for all of our congressmen and our congresswomen. Lord, give them wisdom as they seek to make decisions on our behalf. I pray, Lord, for this election that your will would be done, that you'd give us wisdom on how to vote. God, I thank you, Lord, for your guiding hand for our country and on all of our lives. We pray, Lord, that we might do everything we can to bring glory and honor to you. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your Son, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In response to God's word, uh, we as Presbyterians have a, a tradition that actually goes back to the earliest church of the second century. Before someone would be baptized, they would allow, ask them to state what it was they believed. And, and at the time, people didn't have leather-bound Bibles like we do because there wasn't a printing press. And so every copy of the Bible was handwritten. So most people didn't have Bibles, but they, they came up with a summary of a statement of faith called the Apostles' Creed to help teach the faith and so that others might affirm what it is they believe as they were about to be baptized. So as the saints who have done before us, let us stand and affirm what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed as they're printed in our bulletin this morning. Church, what is it we believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please remain standing for our closing hymn.
We have a story to tell to the nations. If you don't know what it means to be in a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I would love to talk to you after the service about how you might begin that relationship. But for those of us who profess that Jesus Christ alone is Lord, we know that in order to have the faith we need to keep on keeping on, we need to develop the regular rhythm of worship. And I'm so grateful that you're here with us this morning. Who isn't here? Who do we need to invite, whether to join us here in person or at least to join us online so they might experience God's loving presence through his word and through singing, knowing that as Paul tells us, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say rejoice. We have so much to be thankful for. And in gratitude for God's thankfulness, uh, I would encourage you as you leave the service to make an offering, whether it be online or there's a box in the back for the offering you can give. We give out of gratitude for all that God has already given to us. So as we go from this place, may we seek to develop not only a, a weekly rhythm of worship where we gather together here on Sundays, the Lord's Day, but we develop a daily rhythm of worship where we read God's word, we pray, and we sing praises to him. Whether it be through an app of, on a phone or a song or whatever it might be, may we seek to give all glory and honor to him so that we might have the faith we need to keep on keeping on. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.